Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, 17 through 21, called The Power of Example. We just watched the story of Kurt Warner, who was the uh, kind of the underdog story and became the Rams quarterback. And some of the wide receivers around him, when he felt like almost like the world was against him, encouraged him in the huddle, you can do this, you can make it. This is the purpose of the body of Jesus Christ. We don't run alone. We're together, encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. This is why we need to assemble. This is why we need small group fellowship. This is why we need Bible studies, because we are not running alone. Not to mention the fact that there are people in the stands. Hebrews 11 paints them as people who have gone before us, spectators, if you will, encouraging us, like by faith, Abel, and Enoch, and Noah, and Abraham, and David, and Jacob and Joseph and others ran the race and they, in some sense, maybe just their stories alone, are encouraging us as spectators to finish well. Amen? We, you, are not alone. This is why you need to be vitally connected to the body of Jesus Christ. We join in with others as we run this race with endurance. And so I ask you, do you have a running partner? Do you have someone who's encouraging you? Maybe someone older, more mature. Someone that you look up to as a spiritual leader. Someone who is, maybe has more depth than you do at this present time. Maybe they know their Bible better. Maybe you would ask them, hey, can we have coffee once a month and talk about the Word of God or whatever it may be. 2 Timothy 1.13, Paul says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. That's 2 Timothy 1.13. In Hebrews 13.7, if you're taking notes, it reads this way. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. We all need people that we can imitate. Now, I've shared with you many times, if you're newer, you may not know this, but my dad left our family when I was four, and I never saw him again. So, Trying to understand even what a man was, was sometimes a bit out of my reach. I had coaches and other things and a grandfather, but it, but the dad was missing. And I remember when I first became a believer, I would watch other men in the church. And I was in my early twenties at this time. And I really didn't know what a man was, frankly. I didn't know what biblical masculinity looked like. I didn't know how you were supposed to do this. And I will tell you that a lot of life and ministry is caught and not taught. Amen? There's a certain amount that you're going to get taught just by, you could say, didactic, didactic teaching, the Bible, you're diving in, etc. But you're going to catch a lot of things in life. And you'll catch them as you spend time around people who have something for you to catch. Some people who are actually throwing things out regularly that you can catch and put in your pocket. When I'm doing premarital counseling for couples, I will say this to them. I'm going to give you several things you can stick in your pocket. You may not need them now, but trust me, you will need them later. 
Put this in your pocket. And the idea is some things are taught, some things are caught. Now, just four scriptural cross-references to give you an example of some things that you could look at, and hopefully we'll get them up on the screen. 2 Thessalonians 3.7, if you're taking notes, says this. 2 Thessalonians 3.7, you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. 1 Timothy 4.11 and 12 reads, prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Paul writes that to Timothy. In Titus 2, 6 through 8, dealing with a wider church, Paul writes, urge the young men to be sensible. Titus 2, 6 through 8. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent may not in, the, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. And then an address to pastors, elders, and shepherds. 1 Peter 5, 3 and 4. Not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Over and over again, I gave you a sampling. There are verse after verse after verse addressing fathers, believers, shepherds, young and up-and-coming leaders, etc., on the power of example. It is undeniable. The Bible is calling us to something higher. The Bible is calling upon us to set the pace, to help others to know how to walk and how to live. And again, I repeat, it's taught and caught. But I will tell you that in verse 18, Paul transitions away from the positive example to the negative. Notice, Philippians 3.18 says, For many walk, or run, if we go with the sports analogy, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even crying or weeping, as Paul either dictates or writes the letter, this brings him to tears, that they, these many, are enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, there are positive examples, and we need to hang around those, but there are also many negative examples. In fact, they are described as enemies of the cross of Christ. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but about in the last 15 to 20 years, atheist groups are literally enemies of the cross of Christ. They are trying to get crosses removed from public land. Some of these atheist groups have sued grieving mothers who mark the spot of a vehicle accident where their child died with a cross and were taken to court by atheist groups to try to remove the cross because it's offensive to them and on public land. They even did this with the cross at the 9-11 memorial. They said that when they walk by the 9-11 memorial, the cross gives them a tummy ache. (laughs) Boo, boo. You know my answer to that? Don't look at it then. It gave me a tummy ache. Now, do you know why the cross is probably giving them a tummy ache? Because it makes a statement. But here's the thing about the cross. Think about it. Let's look at the cross for a second. What does that message convey? 
That there's a God who so loved the world that he gave his son. That there's a God who took the wrath of God in my place. But here's the issue. The issue with the cross also brings up something else. That we've all sinned. And our sin must be dealt with. And people don't like that. So they want crosses taken down. But I will tell you this, that the majority of commentators on this verse, Philippians 3.18, don't believe that this is some atheist group in Philippi. They say that Paul's tears reveal an insight, maybe a bit hidden in the text, and it may be this, that Paul's primary thought is on apostates. What do you mean? What's an apostate? It's a special pasta dinner that you can cook on a Friday night. No, just kidding. An apostate is someone who claimed to be a believer, made a profession, and has since walked away. Now, if you've been listening to anything for the last couple of years, you know that we have a bit of an epidemic with this. Former worship leaders who led in big bands and big praise teams have now walked away from their faith. These people are out there. And I was imagining as I was preparing for this study, you know, when we first laid out the backdrop of the church at Philippi, Paul went there and he uh, met a woman named Lydia at a place of prayer and the Lord opened her heart to the gospel. And then a servant girl, demon possessed, was delivered uh, by a, a word from Paul, by the power of God. And then the Philippian jailer got saved. And I'm just using this for illustration purposes. I, I don't believe that this is what happened, but I want you to imagine for a moment that Paul got word that the Philippian jailer had recanted his faith. The man who said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The man who, you know, responded when they, when they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household, and you'll be saved. And he was washing their wounds. Imagine that Paul got word that the Philippian jailer has recanted, and he's now an enemy of the Christian gospel. Imagine if Paul got word that Lydia, one that, you know, is precious to many of us who are believers, that she, he got word that Lydia no longer believes in the gospel and now she's leading an occult group or something. Or how about the servant girl who's back fortune telling or something like that? That would be so devastating. And it may be that Paul's tears and I'm not talking about these three individuals. I don't know if that was the case. I just used it for illustration purposes. But here's the greater point. It may be that Paul's tears are, I know that person. They, they made a public profession of faith in Christ. And now they're an enemy of the cross of the gospel. What? But it happens. And, you know, going back to the sports metaphor, the danger of then them leading other people astray or leading them off track or off the track, if you will, is a very real issue. Who are these people? Former members at the church of Philippi who are still in the ear of current believers? Are they the Judaizing group who claim to be believers but say that you gotta keep the food laws or be circumcised to be saved? It's a bit of a mystery, but whoever they are, Paul is crying when he talks about them. And I will tell you that I believe that's the heart of Christ. Whenever I hear a story about someone who's recanted their faith or walked away or no longer on the running track, it grieves me. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, producer of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth partners for your financial support. We are over halfway through this year, and you have raised over $30,000 to support our mission of being on the radio and podcast equipping people with God's truth. Now, we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is still strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcasts and stream on their phone, but radio in a car or at home is still free for listeners. Most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program, and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We are looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we would like to become fully funded by listeners. This will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Paul is crying when he talks about them. And I will tell you that I believe that's the heart of Christ. Whenever I hear a story about someone who's recanted their faith or walked away or no longer on the running track, it grieves me. Some of you know people who, you know, were influential in your Christian life. They were a teacher or they led you to Jesus and they're nowhere to be found now. And you might say, well, what happened to them? Somehow they, they left the track. They, they fell away. How do we categorize them? How do we make sense of that? That ultimately is up to God, but I will say it is sad. And they, they have become enemies of the cross of Christ. For Christ did not send me to baptize, 1 Corinthians 1.17, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, that the cross of Christ should, be, should not be made void. For the word of the cross, listen to this, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. Amen? But there are enemies of it. Satan's an enemy of the cross. There are, there are groups that don't want to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are some who deny the sufficiency of the cross. This could be the Judaizers saying, yeah, you can believe in Jesus, but you got to add this, this, and this. you got to keep these laws, etc. Paul gives us four descriptions of these folks in verse 19, and they're not pretty. Here's what he says. Whose end, these enemies of the cross, their destiny, NIV, is destruction. That word is ruin. Their destiny is perdition, you could say. Number one. Number two, their God is their appetite, all in verse 19. 
Some versions say their God is their belly or their stomach. Three, their glory is in their shame. This word means disgrace. It points to potentially sensual excess. And four, fourth description about these enemies of the cross, they set their minds on earthly things. Something's happened, something frightening has happened to this group of people. And their end is not an upward call to receive a prize in Christ Jesus. Their end is destruction. If anything, they're going to get a downward call. Their God, and here's the problem, is their appetite. Now, I don't think that Paul is talking about an appetite for pizza or hot fudge Sundays or anything like that. I hope not, because I'm going to partake probably in all of that today. <laughs> but I think the, ap- the God being their appetite is they always want the next thing, the next excess. They're, they're never satisfied. It's always the one thing after the one thing. It could be food, but I think more than that, it, it's about power. It's about sensuality. It's even about religious control. If this group is the Judaizing heresy, then their power is manifested in forcing people to keep the food laws. Oh, you can believe in Jesus, but you got to do this. You got to eat this diet. You got to keep these holy days. You got to dress like that. You got to fast twice a week or you're not saved. And when they hear the gospel that you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, plus nothing, they lose their power. Why did the religious leaders condemn Jesus? Not that he hadn't done miracles. Not that he didn't raise Lazarus from the dead. But because their power was threatened. They knew he was the heir. And they said, come, let us kill him. Why? Because they had power, position, prosperity. And Jesus was reigning on their parade. We can't allow that to happen. And so they killed the Son of God. Power will corrupt people. I'll tell you, I am amazed at what people will say from platforms of power, how they've reversed positions within a couple of years from what they said before. Now they say something else. You're like, what? Where'd they get that? But here's the deal. Mankind intoxicated with appetite and power and glory and whatever you want to add to the list, they become enemies of the cross of Christ. And their end, sadly, is perdition or destruction. The problem is that they set their mind on earthly things. Now, I want to pause here for a second and tell you next week we're going to tackle the issue of anxiety and worry. And when we get to that section 6 through 9 in Philippians 4, we're going to look at Paul say, brethren, set your mind on things that are beautiful and lovely and pure. And that's one of the keys to godly living. Set your mind on things above. But Paul says the problem with this group of people is they become so earthly minded, whatever the nuances of that are, that they have lost their way. They are off the track and they're leading people in the opposite direction. They're no longer in the crosswalk, if you will. They've gone astray. And this is why Paul warns about this. He says, look, follow my example. Stay away from those other things. Now we're going to segue back to a positive as we close here. And this is one of identity. And it's, uh, your identity in Jesus is a huge part of running well. 
Here's what it says. For our brethren, citizenship, the idea of this word is from the root polis. It's where we get police, metropolis, political, politician. But it's the idea of citizenship. It was big in the ancient world. It's big today. And here's what it says about believers. Our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. This is a present tense reality, brethren. You, if you're a believer, are a citizen of heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are citizens in heaven. Jesus said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you in my name. Rejoice that your names are recorded in the rolls of heaven. Amen? I want my name in that book. And it's there by the blood of the Lamb. Praise the Lord. By grace, through faith. That's who you are. Now run in keeping with who you are. It ain't going to do it if you are trying to set the pace for a company or a team or a family and you read your Bible once every couple of weeks. You ain't going to set the pace. You've been listening to The Power of Example, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, 17 through 21. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is still strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcast and stream on their phone, but radio in a car or at home is still free for listeners. Most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program, and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We're looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we would like to become fully funded by listeners. This will make it so that what we have from the church can be used for expansion please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you would say, I'm a leader in my church or maybe even in a company and I'm often misunderstood. I feel like people think I'm kind of abusing my position or maybe uh, I'm too hard. I will say this. It's hard to be a leader. Leadership can be lonely. And one thing that you can do is surround yourself with other good leaders. Make sure that you have a good example. Of course, the greatest example of all is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to follow his example. But The Apostle Paul also said, follow me as I follow Christ. It's not easy to be a leader, but we need leaders. 
And leaders don't run from opportunities, they run to them. That can even be hard. Maybe the temptation is sometimes to move away from that spot or not take leadership, but you're called to be a leader, you're called to lead, especially when things are not easy. That's when leadership is needed. Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is Walk in Truth, and you are listening to us teach through the book of Philippians. We're excited about those who are partnering with us. We call them Walk in Truth Partners, and they're giving monthly gifts to support this ministry and help it to spread all around the world, literally. And I want to give some shout-outs to Nora, Robert, Ronnie, Patricia, Andrew, Leanne, Kevin, and many others for being Walk in Truth partners and supporting us on a monthly basis. Hey, if you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner and walk with us as we get the truth of the Word of God out, we would love for you to join us. Go to walkintruth.com and click on the donate button and you can find out how to do more. Now, we're working on a big project exclusive to our Walk in Truth partners and we want to really thank you for your support. It's going to be something that helps better equip you as a believer. It's coming soon, so stay tuned. And if you're a longtime listener and would like to become a Walk in Truth partner, again, visit walkintruth.com. Click on that donate button. And you know what? Our partners are helping us invest in eternity, get the gospel out, and we deeply appreciate all of you. We'll catch you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. We'll see you then. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, 17 through 21, called The Power of Example. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.